Chapter Fourteen of Bill the Conqueror by P. G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Unforeseen enchantment at Waterloo Station. It was with a light and jaunty step that Bill strode over Chelsea Bridge next morning on his way to Waterloo. There had been a time in the silent watches of the night when, lying in bed reviewing the position of affairs, he had had certain uncomfortable doubts as to the stability of his character. Was not a man, he asked himself, who could so swiftly rebound from one love to another, incapable of love in its deepest sense? Was not such a man incurably shallow and trivial and worthy of nothing but contempt? From twelve-thirty till a quarter to two, he had been inclined to answer these questions in the affirmative. But at one forty-five, precisely, there had slid into his fevered mind the consoling recollection of Romeo. Now there was a chap. Generations of lovers had taken him as the archetype of their kind. And yet, on Shakespeare's own showing, the fellow had been a perfect byword among his friends up till, say, 9.30 p.m. one night, for his hopeless adoration of Rosaline. And it couldn't have been much more than 9.45 the same night before he was worshipping Juliet. And certainly nobody had ever accused Romeo of shallowness and triviality no everything was absolutely all right all that had happened was that the scales had fallen from his eyes if you liked to put it that way and that was the sort of thing that might happen to anyone with each step that took him nearer to his destination bill became more wholeheartedly convinced that flick was the only girl in the world for him what he had felt for alice coker had been the mere immature infatuation of a lad with no knowledge of life. He looked back to himself as he had been two months ago, and seemed to be contemplating another being. In addition to having settled this soul problem, he had also got the practical side of the thing straight. As soon as there was a boat, he must go over to America, find Flick, and pour out his heart every moment that he spent three thousand miles away from her was a moment irreparably wasted and somehow the thought of pouring out his heart to flick affected him with none of that nervous paralysis which had come upon him on the occasion when he had mistakenly revealed his emotions to alice coker flick was different flick was well she was flick she was a pal by the time Bill reached Westminster Bridge, he was smiling at passers-by and telling policemen it was a nice morning. And in York Road, he went so far as to give a hawker half a crown for a penny box of matches, thereby converting one who had always been a stubborn skeptic to a belief in miracles. He entered the bustling precincts of Waterloo at a sort of joyous trot, which increased to a gallop when a porter informed him that the boat-train was even now discharging its passengers at platform thirteen bill had no difficulty in finding platform thirteen the march of progress has robbed waterloo station of its mysteries once it used to be a quaint dim wonderland 
in which bewildered alices and their male counterparts wandered helplessly seeking information of officials as naively at sea as themselves but now it is orderly and efficient bill not having known it in the days of its picturesqueness had no sense of romantic loss yielding up a penny for a platform ticket he charged past the barrier into the swirl of the crowd the platform was full of travellers and their friends and relatives his native shrewdness telling him that uncle cooley would probably be at the far end of the train looking after his baggage bill wasted no time it was his intention to show zeal to save his uncle trouble and annoyance by attending to the baggage himself and incidentally to reveal himself in the light of the capable young man of affairs he brushed aside a boy who was trying to sell him oranges and chocolates and sped upon his way and was rewarded by the spectacle of mr paradine hovering on the outskirts of the crowd like an undersized sportsman trying to get a glimpse of a dog-fight hello uncle cooley how are you have a good voyage shall i get you a porter said bill efficiently why william said mr paradine turning and speaking with an agreeable cordiality i never expected to see you nice of you to come and meet me thought i might save you trouble with your trunks very good of you but i'll look after them myself i've got some valuable books i want to keep an eye on i'll meet you down the platform you'll find horace there the prospect of a chat with horace did not cause bill any noticeable elation but mr paradine who had now intercepted a passing porter and was pointing out trunks to him in the manner of a connoisseur exhibiting the gems of his collection to a sympathetic fellow-enthusiast seemed anxious to be alone go along and talk to him he said that big one that little one and there are five more he added to the porter you'll find another friend of yours with him at least she said she knew you she girl named sheridan felicia sheridan niece of sinclair hammond the man i've come to stay with waterloo station is always in a seething and effervescent condition when a boat train comes in but to bill as he heard these words it seemed to boil and bubble like a cauldron travellers travellers friends travellers relations porters paper-boys station-masters and the persevering lad who was still trying to sell him oranges and chocolates danced before his eyes in a weird saraband the solid platform seemed to heave beneath his feet the whistle of an engine sounded like a scream of joy flick he gasped is is flick here but mr paradine was too busy to reply accompanied by the porter he was now in the centre of the maelstrom burrowing after trunks like a terrier in a rabbit warren bill though he would have liked to ask a number of questions respected his uncle's preoccupation and drawing a deep breath plunged down the platform with as much direct forcefulness as if he had been in sight of the enemy's goal line with a football under his arm indignant humanity scattered like smoke wreaths before him and presently after causing more hard feelings among his fellow-creatures than a judge at a baby contest 
he came to a space that was comparatively open and there her hand in the uncouth paw of the boy horace stood flick in a world full of people who happening upon horace immediately wished him elsewhere nobody had ever wished him so far elsewhere as did bill at that moment not even mr sherman bastable in his least affectionate mood could have found the boy's society more distasteful his mere presence was bad enough but far worse was that look of sardonic scorn on his freckled face a look that seemed to ridicule all romance and wither it with a chilling blast for an instant bill had a sense of defeat there was something hideously immobile about the boy's attitude that seemed to suggest that nothing could shift him come one come all this platform shall fly from its firm base as soon as i his demeanour said and bill was at a loss to know what to do about it till suddenly an inspiration came to him few boys are averse from a quiet snack at any hour and horace was probably no exception to the rule hello horace he said you're looking tired and thin take this you'll find a refreshment room down there through those gates the words acted like some magic spell horace's stomach had that quality which optimists try to persuade us belongs to the ladder of fortune there was always plenty of room at the top without a word or indeed any acknowledgment unless a sharp grunt was intended for a speech of thanks he seized the money which bill was thrusting upon him and hurried off bill turned to flick who during this brief business interview had been drinking him in with round and astonished eyes flick said bill bill said flick you darling said bill i love you i love you i oranges and chocolates said a dispassionate voice at his elbow oranges sandwiches and chocolates with prismatic dreams of murder filling his mind bill turned apart from the fact that any interruption at such a moment would have affected him like a blow behind the ear from a sandbag he had supposed that in his previous conversations with this lad he had disposed once and for all of this matter of oranges and chocolates it was a perfectly straight issue to settle which both sides had only to show a little reasonableness and intelligence the boy thought bill wanted oranges and chocolates bill did not want oranges and chocolates and he had said so perfectly plainly yet it seemed now that they had been shouting at one another across seas of misunderstanding i don't want any oranges he said tensely chocolates suggested the boy chocolates for the lady the lady doesn't want chocolates sandwiches nor sandwiches buns sweets of all descriptions chocolate nut chocolate sandwiches oranges apples banbury kikes and bananas bill grasped flick's arm and hurried her along the platform it is supposed to be a universal illusion on the part of the young when in love that they are entirely alone in the world but bill great though his passion was 
could not achieve this state of mind waterloo station seemed to him absolutely congested how there were enough people in london large city though it was to fill it up to such an extent amazed him the entire population of the british isles together with visitors from every part of america seemed to have banded together to prevent him getting a quiet word with flick ever since you went away he resumed coming to a halt behind a luggage-laden truck i the truck became suddenly endowed with movement it thrust itself between them like a juggernaut and when it had passed and he was about to speak again a finger tapped him energetically upon the shoulder pardon me sir asked a voice in rich minnesotan but could you direct me to the telegraph office adversity makes strategists of us all bill grasped the other's arm and whirled him round i don't know myself he said but that boy over there could tell you the one with the orange and chocolate tray thank you sir thank you don't mention it flick darling said bill ever since you went away i've been perfectly miserable i couldn't make out at first what was the matter with me then i suddenly realized i've got to talk quick so get this i love you i i beg your pardon he broke off icily turning as he received a sharp prod in the ribs from what felt like the ferrule of an umbrella the stout woman with the brown veil flying from her hat repeated her question where can you get a porter bill spoke in an overwrought voice what there was about him that made all these people flock to him as to some human information bureau he was at a loss to understand goodness knew he had been trying to make his face look forbidding enough and yet they kept surging up to him in their thousands as if he were their guardian angel he began to feel like one of those ask mr holleran men whose cheery advertisements dot the roadside throughout long island anywhere around here they're popping about all over the place there's one over there standing by that boy with the chocolate and orange tray i don't see him he was there a moment ago the stout woman wandered away discontentedly her veil flying behind her bill turned to flick again by your leave sir a porter this time with a truck the irony of the situation afflicted bill here was a porter interrupting him doubtless in search of stout women with baggage and a moment before the stout woman had interrupted him in search of a porter it would have been a kindly act on his part to bring these kindred spirits together but he was otherwise occupied i know what you're saying he resumed you're saying what about alice coker never mind about alice coker that was a mere infatuation simply an infatuation i love you and only you and i believe i honestly believe i've loved you from the very first moment we met amazing how easy it was to talk to her like this the mere sight of her encouraged him to eloquence she radiated confidence and comfort it was as simple as telling an old friend that you were glad to see him 
no trace now he felt of that fluttering self-consciousness which had set him stammering under the queenly gaze of alice coker silly nonsense that had been imagining for a single moment that he could be in love with a girl who made him self-conscious the whole essence of love and bill now considered himself an expert on this subject was that it made you feel at home with a girl happy with her at your ease with her just as if she were a part of you flick darling he said let's go off and get married quick her eyes were smiling up into his the brightest bluest eyes that had ever danced in human face and waterloo station seemed to blaze with a brilliant and unearthly light it soothed every nerve in his body that smile of hers it set him aglow with a happiness beyond all dreaming it was like a lighted window welcoming a weary traveller home across the snow and taking advantage of the fact that this delightful station was full of people who were kissing one another he bent over with no more words and kissed flick and the kiss seemed like nothing so much as the formal affixing of a signature to a document whose pleasant terms had long since been agreed upon and settled it was so entirely simple so perfectly natural and in order and somehow it seemed to put matters on such a sound and satisfactory footing that for the first time since she had come to him out of this whirl of restless humanity he found himself able to talk coherently and conversationally what are you doing over here he asked i was just coming over to america to find you i ran short of money and i had to cable home and they cabled back that i was to go to your uncle he has brought me over but didn't alice coker look after you i never went near her why not oh why of course you wouldn't said bill with a flash of belated intelligence what a consummate fool i was ever to think you would the more i look back at myself the more it seems to me that of all the hopeless fools in the world i was the worst you weren't i was taking all that time to realize that i loved you do you really love me flicky of course i do i always have i'm hanged if i can see why said bill candidly i know you do i can feel it in my bones but why because you're the most wonderful man on earth by jove i believe i am anyway i feel i am when you look at me like that flick squeezed his arm bill darling what are we going to do bill looked at her in astonishment why get married as soon as ever we can that reminds me i shall have to be looking for work can't live on nothing but that will be all right i have a hunch that uncle cooley will come out strong all i need is a start it's going to be very difficult not a bit watch me i mean about me i'm supposed to have come back to marry roderick what you don't mean to say demanded bill with honest amazement that that silly business is still on 
do you mean to tell me that in this twentieth century people still think they can force a girl to marry someone she doesn't want to when you get a man like uncle george and a woman like aunt francie making up their minds it doesn't matter what century it is said flick simply you wouldn't do it said bill with a sudden swift spasm of fear of course i wouldn't said flick stoutly but oh bill darling we've got to hurry up and do something after what has happened i know as well as i know anything that i shall be a sort of prisoner at holly house i'm in disgrace i'm like a convict that has tried to escape i daren't risk running away again until everything is quite settled you must let me know the moment you're ready for me i'll write to you no don't they might see your letters and then it would be more difficult than ever she broke off bill whose eyes had never left her face saw her start what is it he asked bill said flick quickly in a low voice don't do a thing just stand where you are and try to look as if you were perfectly ordinary aunt francie is coming i might have guessed that she would be here to meet me the woman advancing up the platform was so exactly what bill would have imagined any sister of flick's uncle george that he had a feeling almost as if they were old acquaintances nevertheless he was far from being at his ease aunt francie was finding some difficulty in manoeuvring around a truck and flick seized the opportunity for further counsel stay where you are she'll think you're somebody i met on board how am i to let you know said bill hurriedly as the enemy appeared round the truck i've got it what paper do you take in the morning the daily record it's uncle george's paper watch the agony column whispered bill flick nodded briefly and turned to greet her formidable aunt aunt francie she exclaimed there was a noticeable chill in the bearing of mrs sinclair hammond as she pecked at the cheek of her erring niece mrs hammond had much to say to her of a nature that could not well be said in front of strangers the lecture of a lifetime hung on her firm lips only waiting for bill's departure to be released flick turned to bill good-bye mr rawlinson she said brightly extending her hand thank you so much for looking after me bill took his cue with a courteous bow in the direction of the more formidable than ever aunt francie he moved off down the platform he had as he went something of the emotions of a knight of old compelled by other engagements to ride off and leave a maiden at the mercy of a dragon End of chapter fourteen